on Facebook, right? Welcome. But I'm Joseph O'Neill. I'm the, I serve here as the youth director, and we're going to finish our purity ceremony today, right? Make some noise for that, everybody. Woo! I mean, we've learned quite a lot. I think, I'm pretty sure that we've taught pretty much everything that is not being taught in schools eh, completely, right? We've covered all that. Uh, I think we've, we've set you guys up, man, to understand what it means to be pure. Uh, but today, right, and we've had testimonies, right? So we talked about what love is and, and what love versus lust is and what to do while we wait. We had, we had Tina come up, and she gave a great testimony of God's purity in her life. Sadia as well, setting her free from homosexuality. Juan giving him the satisfaction that uh, intimacy and, uh, and things with other men, other women can never provide. And we, we, we just understand now more about God's purity. But today, is, it's a whole nother testimony, a whole nother message. If I can have uh, Tony and Jerry come up please give it up for Tony and Jerry come on keep keep clapping keep clapping keep clapping amen amen this is Tony this is his wife Jerry they are both uh, deacons in our church uh, interns uh, I just want to give a little background from my my view right well Tony I've known him since I was 13 so he was my youth leader when I was Brandon's age so think about that, right? Long time ago, nine years ago, and he's been such a humble servant throughout that whole time. I mean, ever since I was young and he was busting me in basketball, yes, he was busting me in basketball and, and my cousin, right? We, I, I, I saw what a man of God looked like, and I, he told me a little bit of his testimony when I was young, and it shook me when I was little, that he, at, at, I think you were, you were in your 20s at that time, right? Mid-20s, mid, something like that. You just got out of college, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he told me his testimony, that shook me as a 13-year-old. And I was like, man, I aspire to be like him. Not only did he bust me in basketball, right, but he gave me a lot of wisdom. And then, so Jerry, uh, she was one of the first people to greet me as a youth now in Elevate when I was 16. When I was... Uh, See, who's 16 up in here? You, you're 16. I, I was your age. And it was a little weird at first because she was so loving. And I was like, man, you know, I just kind of hate everybody. You're like, I don't know why you're hugging me right now. But she was so loving. She graduated Bible college. Actually, both of them have graduated Bible college. Uh, they have a child named Nate in the back, right? And they have another one on the way in the oven, right? About to pop, right? God is cooking, right? So... But anyway, that's, that's a little bit of their background, but I'm going to let them share. Everybody give a hand for, for Tony and Jerry. Wow. Thank you very much, guys, for having us here tonight. Um, I'm going to do my best to share my testimony and Jerry as well in the time that we've been given, as well as our love story and how we, uh, aw, yeah. um, how we uh, you know, went from dating um, and then keeping it pure, and then also uh, with that leading into marriage. So... Um, so for me, um, I grew up in the church for the most part, all right? I got saved at an early age, probably when I was about maybe six or seven, um, and so I went to church, read my Bible, did the whole thing, you know, being a good, little good Christian little boy and whatnot, um, but it wasn't until probably like about 12 or 13, that's when I really started to become a little wishy-washy with my faith, um, I was starting to backslide, and I, I started hanging out with uh, the wrong types of people, um, usually the, you know, the, tro the knuckleheads, the knuckleheads in junior high. And so I hung out with guys that were, that were gangbangers. They, you know, they, they shoplifted, um, just did all kinds of crazy stuff. And, but along the way, um, you know, hanging out with these people, um, I got introduced to pornography. And, oh, yeah, it got a little bit quiet. And so... Um, yeah, so amongst doing all those other things, like, we st I started dabbling in pornography, and then next thing I know, um, aside from my friends, my dad actually had porn in the house, and I remember when I wasn't with my friends, you know, dabbling in porn, like, I was at home, you know, secretly watching porn in, in the, in the house, uh, or basement of our house, and, um, and the thing is, like, I would watch it here and there. It wasn't like every day I was watching it. It was just like, okay. And even though, like, I still had a knowledge of God and I knew it was bad, like, I still watched it and then I would go with the spurts where, like, 
go for like maybe a few days and then wash it and then go for two weeks or whatever, then wash it. But here's the thing. You know, when it comes to addiction, like people think of it as like an everyday thing. First of all, addiction is what is something that if you are hooked on it, you can't live without. So it doesn't matter if you go for weeks or days or whatever. If you're still having a hangering for it, like you are hooked. And so that, that was me. So I didn't watch it every day, but I had like little spurts of it where I was, where I was watching it. And I remember um, it wasn't until probably maybe uh, 14 or 15 years old. Like I was still hanging out with my friends. I was still doing all these things. And so I, was, I was pretty much being like a two-faced Christian. I was going to church on Sundays, you know, lifting my hands, praising God. But then once I was away from church, I was living a completely different lifestyle. And I remember, you know, my mom, um, you know, she just, she grieved for me. And, and I remember in the summer of my, my sophomore year, going into my junior year, uh, she sent me to, uh, to a senior high uh, youth camp. And, uh, and I remember going to the youth camp. I, first of all, I didn't even want to go. Like, I, I did not want to go to this camp, you know, because I, I remember one of my friends had told me that there was a party going on that week that I was going to be gone. And I wanted to do that instead of going to youth camp. But, you know, I found myself going anyway. And I was with uh, some of my other friends that I knew from church. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, throughout the week, God was just moving. And I, and I remember towards the end of the week, probably it was, on, it was on a Thursday night that I rededicated my life to Christ. The guy who spoke, the message was so powerful. It was, and everything that he was speaking uh, about, you know, his life and, you know, how he was two-faced, like he was speaking into my life. And that's when I realized that God's here right now. Like he, know, he, knows, he knows what I've been through. He knows what I'm going through, and I need to get right with him. And so, so in my sophomore year, I, uh, I rededicated my life to Christ. And then from my junior to senior year, I was, uh, I was pretty active in, in high school. Like I, I joined one of the, uh, you know, I, I was living for God. You know, I was, I was going to church. I was, in, I was pretty active in youth group. And, um, you know, I was going to a Christian club. Humble to One was the name of our Christian club. And so, um, and so I, I was going to Christian club. Next thing you know, uh, senior year comes along. And like at this point, I didn't know like what I was going to do after high school. I don't know if I was going to stay home, you know, work a secular job and save some money and then go to a community college. Like I just didn't know. And then I remember uh, a group of uh, ministers, um, you know, people that were my age, they were called ACE teams. Uh, ACE Teams is, um, along with Master's Commission, they're like a discipleship-based program out of the Assemblies of God. And so ACE Teams was based out of Australia. Long story short, I had one of the guys stay at my house for the whole time that the ACE Teams was at my, was at my church, working with my church. And then just hearing his heart and how, you know, he had been delivered from drugs and, you know, gang banging and how he's just living for God. I mean, it was, it was a blessing to have him in my home. And I remember... One day, you know, I was just, I was praying because at, at this point, like, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And uh, the next thing you know, like, I, I had this, this yearning to, you know, to, to go into ministry. And then next thing you know, um, I'm talking with uh, Brian. Brian was his, was his name from Ace Teams. You know, I'm talking with him, and, you know, uh, he started sharing, me his, with his, started sharing with me his experiences on Ace Teams and how he got to travel and he got to preach and he got to to minister to, to people young and old. And I was like, man, Lord, I, could, I think I could see myself doing that. And so next thing I know, after Brian leaves, uh, probably like maybe a couple months after I graduated, I had my interview with ACE Teams. And like, long story short, I was on ACE Teams for two years. I got to travel the country. I was in uh, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, fulfilling the call of God in my life. And then I remember the sec my second year on ACE teams, there was a girl that I met. And, uh, and here's the thing. So here's the thing. Like, when I was in high school, junior high, like, I was nobody. Like, I, I was very, no, like, seriously. Like, you look at me like, like, what are you talking about, Tony? I mean, you're so good looking and buff. Like, what are you talking about? But here's the thing. I, I was really an introvert, to be honest. I was an introvert, and I didn't have many friends except uh, for those that were in the youth group. And uh, I remember there was this girl, and uh, 
name was Kendra, and we started talking, you know, like, you know, I was just, like, you know, small conversation. Next thing you know, like, throughout the, um, throughout the program, we started to get a little close. And next thing you know, um, when it was time for us to, to go out into our separate teams, like, you know, I started having feelings for her. And I remember I told her when I was in, when I was in Texas that, I, you know, and this is where, this is before email and text. We actually wrote each other letters on paper. <laughs> So I remember writing, Aww. so I remember writing, yeah, oh, yeah, shows you how old I am. Um, we had telephones. Yeah, we had telephones. Um, so I wrote her a letter, and I told her how I felt about her, and then I get a letter back from her, and she was saying that she felt the same way. And so I'm like, oh, man, this is like uncharted territory for me. Like, like she could actually be my first real girlfriend, you know? And then, and next thing I know, like, we graduated from ACE teams towards the end of the summer, and... Um, you know, we uh, we started to date. We made we made it official after ASEAMS because on ASEAMS you couldn't really date, and 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 you know it was for purity purposes. And so we started dating, but it was long distance. So we would like call each other, and I would try and I would visit her every now and then. And next thing I know, like we were together long distance for almost a year. You know, talking back and forth, traveling. And the next thing I know, like, time goes by, and our phone calls started getting less and less, you know. And then it was, like, short, like, short conversations. And I'm like, man, what's going on? And so one day I remember, because uh, I, I wanted to know what was really going on. Like, is she okay? Because she's not really talking to me. So next thing I know, like, I go down to where she is, uh, some town in, um, in Illinois. Because I was about two hours away from where I live. And I remember going to her house. And I remember going to her her front door, and her front door was just slightly open. And I'm like, I'm looking around. Next thing I know, like I look in to my left, and she's, I could like her living room was there, and I could see her, and she was with another guy. And I'm like, I mean that that hurt. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. And, and being my first girlfriend, like that that really. Like, it, it was like a knife through the heart, man. Like, it, like, seriously. And then I remember going home. You know, I'm just, I'm like, I'm tearing up. Like, I'm crying. And next thing you know, like, uh, you know, a week goes by. I'm still still down in the dumps. And, you know, just feeling, uh, you know, lonely and you know, a little depressed. And then the next thing I know, like, I started falling back into old habits. You know, I, was, I started, like, I didn't, even though I didn't want to dabble in pornography, but because at that time, like, I was just feeling so lonely and so lost. Like, like I completely took my eyes off of Jesus. Next thing you know, I found myself dabbling in it again. And, and here's the thing. At the time that the relationship ended, like, I had already been accepted into North Central University. And next thing you know, yeah, it's a Bible college, for those of you who don't know, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So next thing you know, like, after that happened, you know, now I got back into old habits, and then I'm attending Bible college. And I remember uh, my first semester of Bible college, I was living in the dorms, and every floor has, um, has a discipleship leader. And so what we would do is, like, uh, throughout the week, we would meet up and, you know, just have, we would just have fellowship, you know, we would have accountability. And I remember the first... Uh, the first meeting that we had with our discipleship leader was uh, there was like 30 guys on my floor, and we all gathered together, you know, just uh, at the start of the year, or the start of the semester, excuse me. And I remember one of the guys, you know, he started speaking, and and flat out, you know, he uh, other than saying, "Welcome, guys, welcome to North Central, hope you enjoy it here." The first question he asked us was, "Now, before we go any further, I just want to be really blunt and honest with you, but I feel like." Some of you here tonight, some of you guys here are struggling. You're in bondage. You're struggling with lust. You're struggling with pornography. And so I just want us to be really transparent right now. By show of hands, if you're struggling, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Next thing you know, like, I'm, I, I, was, I did not want to raise my hand because I know that was me. But I want to see if, you know, you want to see if anybody else is around, you know, struggling or whatever. Next thing I know, one hand pops up. And then another hand pops up, and I'm looking around, and then next thing I know, my hand goes up. 
And out of the number of guys that were there, there was like maybe a, a, at least 10 to 12 guys that had admitted that they were struggling with pornography. And I remember that night, you know, we, we got all together and we started praying. We started, you know, praying for, for, uh, for freedom from bondage and, and being set free from, from lust and pornography. You know, at this point, I'm just weeping. I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, Lord, I, you know, I, just, I repent of everything that, you know, for, forgive me for falling back into bad habits, old habits. And, um, and I remember, <laughs> this, 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 is, this may sound funny, but, uh, but it helped me. I know I can speak for myself. But when I was in college, so after that night, we put some, I don't know who did it, but they put like a big poster and they, they took a picture of our shower stalls. So we had like shower stalls in the dorms. And in big, bold letters, there were three words. Don't whack it. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I mean, and here's the thing. Like, it, I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, it says don't whack it. But here's the thing. And, and I'll tell you this, my, one of my favorite Bible verses is Proverbs 27, 17, which states, as man, or as iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens another. That was a tool for us, you know, for those who were struggling. Like that poster, don't whack it, that was a sign of accountability, meaning that, you know, if you're in a shower, don't, don't, like guys, don't do what you do. I mean, if you are struggling with this now, and as I'm talking with you, don't do what you do. Or as some people say, polish the rock. I'm sorry for being appropriate. Um, don't do it. Don't whack it. And uh, and I remember along with that, just like guy, we would always we would still meet and still pray together. You know, helping each other become accountable. You know, confessing our sins to one another. And you know, during this process, you know, like I I, you know, I was still um, trying to keep it holy. Like I I was struggling mostly with. The, not, the, not the thought of uh, or the desire to watch porn, but more so like the images that were in my head after watching it. And so I remember guys were praying over me, you know, um, you know, give your, you know, like take your, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ and, you know, uh, be not being conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of these words that we would pray over each other, that's what we were doing. And for me, like it was like, I would say it was it was a life-saving experience for me to have those guys, you know, praying for amongst one another, praying for holiness, praying for purity. And uh, and I remember one day, and this was actually that changed it all. It was like a game changer for me. I remember one day, it was probably I want to say my sophomore year of college. I remember I had just, I, I woke up late, and, and then, and then you, uh, North Central University, we have a chapel every day, Monday through Friday. So basically, it was a time of the day where, you know, we would set aside, like, you know, just like what you guys do now. You, you, uh, you have service, you have church, you go and worship, and have a word, and then prayer at the end. But I remember that particular day, um, this particular chapel, I remember looking at the faculty like a lot of them had tears in their eyes. And I remember Marvin Smith, who was a, a professor at the time, he got up and he spoke and, and it was, and it blew me away. It blew me away and not just that, but everybody was shocked because what he had said was he was stepping down from North, North Central University because he was struggling with pornography. This is a man now here this is a man who was revered by most of the student body because he was a Bible professor, he knew the word, he loved Jesus. And now here he is, you know, before twelve hundred students confessing his sin. And here's the thing, like most and you can only imagine the amount of guilt and shame that he felt. And I know that as as I was, you know, just in shock and and in awe, like I just, I didn't know. I didn't know what to say. Next thing I know, like, I go back to my dorm room. And I start praying, Lord, Lord, help me to live pure and holy. I don't want to be statistic. Because we hear about so many ministers, even, even back then, and even now, 
that have fallen away from the faith because of hidden sin, whether it's pornography or, or whatever it is. I pray to the Lord. I do not want to be statistic. You know, I was praying, Lord, help me to live pure and holy for you. Help me to guard my heart because everything that, that, that I do flows out of it. Proverbs 4.23. And, so, um, and so fast forward a little bit. Throughout college, like, I, you know, I, I didn't really date. I didn't really date at all in college. I, I mean, I would go out in, on group dates with other, with, you know, other, other guys and girls, but I didn't really date in college because, for one, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. I wanted to make sure that, you know, that when the time came, that it wasn't going to be something that I wanted to do, like out of my own impulses, but I wanted to, I wanted to wait for God's best. And so uh, fast forward a little bit more. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking so much time because I want my wife to share. Um, I graduated from North Central in 2005. Uh, I moved back to Chicago, spent some time uh, in ministry, serving at a serving as a youth director at my at the church I grew up with, grew up in North Shore, North Shore Assembly of God. And then afterwards, I left, and you could ask me about that sometime. I left, and I moved up to Minnesota, lived there for a couple years, and, uh, and then after that, I came back to Chicago. But I remember um, when I came back to Chicago, um, that's when I started to feel the urge, you know, to Know, try out this dating thing and I remember I was the church I was going to at the time like you know, I was uh, <laughs> like I was older and some of the girls that I, w I wanted I was trying to get with were a little bit younger than me and so I remember you know getting turned down yeah getting turned down yeah oh <laughs> I got turned down a number of times and then I, I remember thinking man Lord what, what's going on man what why am I not like, why can't, why can't I have a girlfriend? Like, I actually used to pray to God, like, Lord, bring someone into my life already. Like, I'm, at this time, I'm already in my mid, you know, late 20s, going on, you know, go, going on 30. And so, and I remember, you know, the Lord really spoke to me in um, just one simple verse. It's Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you as well. I mean, it was just like, Duh. <laughs> I should have been doing this the whole time. And even though I was praying that God would bring me a wife, I wasn't seeking him. And so um, I'm going to hand it over to my wife. And she's, and she's going to finish off, and then, uh, and then we'll go from there. Okay. I'm going to try to cut this really short and sweet, but I want to get to all the goodies. And believe it or not, I'm the talker. <laughs> so... Um, so I grew up in the Christian church also. I grew up with a loving family, loving parents, and around 17 years old, I just turned my back on God. I um, lost my virginity at 18 years old to the guy that I was dating, and pretty much it was a downhill slide after that. Got um, started smoking lots of pot, um, moved far away from my family, the prodigal daughter, um, got into drugs, more sex. Um, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, bad company corrupts good character. Well, I had the good character that got corrupted because of the people I hung out with, the people I associated with. I mean, I legitly had women in my life tell me, your number never goes down, so why keep track anymore? And then you start playing this game of like, well, it's a man's world, so I'm going to think like a man. If they don't care, then I don't care. And so started just making a load of bad choices even before I was 21. And I lost myself. I didn't even know. I went by a nickname, and by that nickname, I could live however I wanted because I wasn't Jerry. And so it kind of gave me that freedom. I think of the prodigal son. He moves far away from his home. He takes his inheritance. My parents were paying for school. I could do whatever I want, dropped out. Um, and I was so broken and so lonely and so, 
I fell into this world of confusion. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I want for my life. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And the devil just messed with my mind to the point where I just kept going deeper and deeper into that hole. And so what happened was I, I got out of a yoga class, of all things, and I decided I was going to move back home with my parents. So I packed up everything from living in San Francisco, left the guy that I was dating, moved back home. and. Um, still continued to be who I was, went back to Jesus, found a, you know, went to church with my folks, tried to get back my life back together with God, um, which was kind of wishy-washy. I, I didn't have people in my life telling me how to live holy. I was just supposed to do it. And that's something that I love about Metro Praise is we don't just tell you go live holy and not give you the tools to do it. We give you the tools to do it. We give you one-on-one -on -one discipleship so you have no excuses. I wish I had a youth group like this when I was a teenager because I was on fire. I wanted Jesus. I wanted to be a virgin till I got married like my husband was. I wanted that so bad for my life and instead I threw it all away and let me tell you, when you start, when you actually get on fire for Jesus and you can really understand what he did for you, you would do anything to go back to the way it was to say, I'm sorry, Jesus, I wish I wouldn't have done it back then. If I knew that this man was going to come into my life, I would not have wasted myself on people who didn't care about me. If I would have known that I was gonna, I was gonna find the diamond in the rough. There, there talks about this. This, there's this parable about a man who goes, he finds this like pearl of great price in a field, and he goes and he sells everything he owns just so he can buy the field to get the pearl. I, I got the pearl, but it took a long time. <laughs> and so, I remember like I came. So I moved. Fast forward, okay. So I got married to the wrong person, I got divorced. At I got married at 24, I was divorced at 25. And I was a stepmom, I mean, I could go on and on with stories, but after that, I just backslid back to a hole, back to old patterns, back to old choices, you know, still not, still being more like on the promiscuous side and just like partying, um, lots of drinking primarily and um, I remember I just, I got a whim and I said, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to go pursue music. <laughs> so I packed up my Honda Civic. I got in my car. My mother was my co-passenger and we drove to Chicago from Arizona. I had nothing in my car except winter clothes, my guitar, my massage table, and a box of MASH DVDs. And only the old guys know what I'm talking about <laughs> when I talk about MASH is an old show. So anyway, um, it took a year, and I found a flyer on the ground to Metro Praise International's grand opening at Irving Park. And at that point, I felt so lonely and broken. I had illicit relationships here, but I wasn't going to get attached to anybody because that's not who I was. And the guy that I was dating, I, uh, I said, I found this flyer to this church, and I think I'm going to go to it. He's like, I'll go with you. Okay. We go to the church, and I felt the Holy Spirit. I just knew. And we left, and I felt bad because I had to. I came late. I had to leave early. And, and he's like, I don't know if that's the church for you. I think it's a little weird. And I'm like, it's weird, but the Holy Spirit lives there. Like, I had never felt God like I felt him that morning. So three weeks later, I show back up at the church all by myself because I was like, Something's there, and I got to have it. And uh, Joe preached a message, Pastor Joe of this church, preached a message about hell, and it scared the hell right out of me. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, you know, broken. Actually, who's, she wasn't a pastor then, but Pastor Griselda was the one who prayed for me to come back to Jesus at an altar call, just like the ones you guys have here. Nothing's different. Nothing has changed in that the altar call is still going to be the same. 
And so Griselda prays for me, and I literally sat at that altar, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I let it all go, and I said, God, if there's anything I've ever held back from you, I give it up today. I'm so done with feeling empty. I'm so done with feeling broken. I'm so done with these relationships that don't mean anything, and I can prove it to you. I have a journal entry after I had slept with my boyfriend, and I said, and the worst part is it all means nothing. That is what's in my journal, and the worst part is it all means nothing. That's not what God had in store for me. That is not what God has in store for any of you. Because if you knew what was coming, you wouldn't waste your time on the stupid stuff. I'm a preacher. I went to Bible college, okay? So that being said, I'm single. I'm 27 years old, and I decide to live holy and pure. I prayed. I said, God, uh, my discipler, her name's Vanessa. She's amazing. Um, she gave me the one-year challenge. So remember, I'm 27 years old at this point. Vanessa says, I want you to commit to a year of not dating. And I said, amen. I'm all on that train. I just want it to be me and Jesus because it's never just been me and Jesus. So year one comes to an end and I say, bring on year two, Jesus. I'm not ready yet. I'm in Bible college at this time, as some like to call it bridal college. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm on, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things be added unto you. And let me tell you, I still prayed for my husband. I still have journal entries. I got a list of 30 things on there. Tony has everything but two and so much more that was on my list. I wanted a man of integrity. I wanted a man who went after God with all he had. I wanted a man who would be like my dad was because my dad was a good dad. I wanted a a man in my life who is going to be a good father. He's the best father I know. So that being said, I still prayed for him. I mean, I still was, I still wanted a husband. I still wanted somebody in my life. But I said, God, if that's not your will, then I'll just be single serving you. I can go to the mission field. I can do whatever you want me to do because I'm free. Well, year two came to an end and I said, okay, I'm done. Where is he? <laughs> and, uh, Tony and I had met at that point, but the something that I prayed for in my prayer closet, as you guys should know what a prayer closet is, it's when you get alone with Jesus. And I said to him, I said, God, I don't want to kiss the next person that I date until I marry them. That was my vow to the Lord. And I was going to stick to it. I said, if I didn't follow any convictions before, I am on fire. I am sold out. So Tony and I had met already. We'd known each other the year, uh, the second year I was single, and we had become friends, acquaintances, acquaintances, then friends. And we can tell you all about our awesome love story on another time. But uh, um, we go on the, we weren't officially dating yet. And we're out, we had gone out with my cousins, and then we ended up at a karaoke bar. <laughs> Not drinking. I was in Bible college. Can't drink. But we were just talking, and I was like, so I have to tell you something. And you know, when somebody says, I have to tell you something, it's usually not good. And I looked at him, and I said, I don't want to kiss till I'm married. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> That's literally how tough that conversation was. It was out of, you know, it was out of respect for her. You know, because I know that she had mentioned before, or not before, but uh, to me, that that was something that, you know, she wanted to wait upon. And also, like, kissing and being physical was something that she struggled with. So, Yeah, that was my struggle. Men were my struggle, so I just stayed away from them. If you know what sin entices you, you stay away. As best as you can. You, got, you, you struggle with pornography, throw away your computer. Put triple X on your computer. It's a program. Joby can tell you about it, but it basically guards you. You have an accountability partner that gets, yeah, it's called Triple X. Church. Thank you. Not Triple X, sorry. But it's called Triple X Church. It's a, it's a thing for your computer, for your cell phone. If you want accountability, it's something that you would put on there, and it pings your mentor or whomever to let them know that you're dabbling. 
So I even had that on my computer when I was in Bible college. And so, you know, if you know the sin that entices you, you just stay away. And I said, okay, God, I'm going through dating detox. And it was good for me. So I tell him I don't want to kiss. He says, fine. We continue to date. Um, we were very rarely ever alone together. Now, get this in mind. I'm 30. He's about 33 at this time. We're in our 30s. Do you know how weird? Okay, you think it's weird that your teenage friends peer pressure you about, oh, you're still a virgin, or oh, how many girls have you gotten with? How many dudes have you gotten with? Like, come on, I've been in high school. I know what it's like. And so you think it's weird if you stand out? Try being 30 years old telling somebody, I don't even kiss my boyfriend. This lady thought I was nuts. She's like, but you do other stuff, right? I'm like, what are we gonna do? We don't even kiss. Well, why do you do that? Because we want to live holy and we put God first. So that's what we did for almost two years. I finally, I kept looking at him and told him to save me from my bad roommates. He needed to put a ring on it. And uh, he did. And we got married five months later. We got pregnant a month after that. And um, God is good. And I can tell you for a fact, like, you put God first, he will honor you. We have an awesome and blessed marriage. We don't fight. I don't, we have never had a fight, ever. Disagreements, yes. Disagreements, yes, okay? But we have never spoken down to each other. We have never belittled each other. We have never manipulated each other to get what what we want, we just talk. And we're both very chill people. So, but he's got a wife like me and I can be a little, I can be a little much. <laughs> like waiting for the... Yes, she, she's got a mouth and she likes to run it. So. Oh, but you love it. So anyway, let me just say this, okay? Wedding night comes, because I know Joe B wanted me to touch on this. It was awkward. And I was grateful because from somebody who came from a sexual background, it was good to be awkward. It was good to feel like it was fresh. And I know for him it was awkward because it was the first time. <laughs> Amen. And so I just want to say this uh, as my last sentiments before Joe B comes up, but something I struggled with, and, and this is for anyone who, if you've ever been molested, if you've ever been raped, if you've ever just made bad choices, if you've ever, um, if, you've, if you've had sex before and you want to kind of get that, that born-again virgin, as, as we like to say in the Christian world, right? Something I struggled with, and I said, God, what would he want with a tainted girl like me? Because he's pure and I'm not. And Jesus, this is what Jesus said to me. He said, you are pure. You have been washed by the same blood. So if you guys are struggling with your purity, you can get it back. And you don't have to give it up. And purity lasts long through marriage. Somehow people think that purity goes out the window when you get married. Your marriage bed stays holy and undefiled. And you are the guardians of your bedroom. And you are the guardians of your body. You are valuable. And the moment you lose sight of what Jesus did for you, your value starts going down. And you start letting other people talk to you and tell you what you're worth. But you're worth more than that. Jesus died on the cross for you. He died so that you could have a holy life, a pure life. And it doesn't matter if you are the single mama. You get to live pure and holy all the days of your life till God brings that man of God or doesn't bring that man of God. But you live holy and righteous. You you seek first the kingdom of God and you let God add all these things unto you because he counts you valuable. Ha! I feel like I haven't preached in forever. Praise God. Um, actually, could you guys pray it out? Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. I thank you for each and every young person here as well as uh, the older generation that's here tonight. Lord God, I just pray in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity that these people have had to go through this month 
touching on purity and holiness, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, tonight, Lord Jesus, if there is anyone here, Lord God, who are still struggling, Lord God, with the sin of bondage, and lust of the eyes and the flesh, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that they would be set free, Lord God. Lord God, it says in your word, Lord God, that uh, who the Son sets free, whoever the Son sets free, he is free indeed, Lord God. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord God, for every young, young man and young woman, Lord God, who was struggling and is in bondage, that they would be set free tonight, that they would repent, Lord God, Lord Jesus. And for those, Lord God, who who are living a, a double life, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that they will come clean, Lord God, and turn back to you, Lord. We thank you and we love you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you for the gift of purity, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that every person here, Lord God, will take it to heart, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Woo! That was awesome. Amen. Amen. Give another hand clap for Jesus and what God did in their lives. So really quickly, man, that was, that was just a powerful testimony, right? God is good. If you can put up that, that PowerPoint, actually, I just want to hop right into it. I want to let you guys know that uh, what Tony and Jerry were sharing is not uncommon, at least the beginning of their testimony. 90% of men have seen porn, and 60% of women have seen porn, and it starts at the young age of 8 to 11. So literally, 8-year-olds are watching porn right now. 11-year-olds, well, a lot of you guys are 11. That's, that's where it starts, you know? So I'm pretty sure Tony, you know, he shared that it, start, it started around that age as well. When uh, It started at that age for me as well when I was younger. And the average age of men and women to lose their virginity is at 17. So they're not married. They're senior year, right? They're, that's when they lose their virginity. And that's just the average. That's just the average. You see, but this, this is something that uh, I made up, right? It's not, the, it's not the, the coolest looking thing, but it's pretty simple, right? There is steps to Christian dating, right? There's the love of God, which you need. You cannot love someone else until you have the love of God. First uh, John 4:19 says that we love because God loved us. Then there's the Christian identity. Once you understand you've been loved by God, you have a new identity, like Jerry was talking about. You're a child of God. Then there's friendship, right? Here's the thing: no matter whether you're dating or you're engaged or whatever may happen, y'all are holding hands, kissing. The person that is not your wife or your husband, the Bible says you have to view them as a brother or sister. A brother or sister in Christ. So if you're saying, man, that's my boo, that's mine, that's all me, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. That's your brother, that's your sister, they belong to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You got an issue with that? Take it up with the Lord. That's 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. You guys can look up these verses. Uh, and then right after dating, there's engagement, okay? Engagement is a time where literally, man, if you're dating some dude for 10 years, ladies, and this happens sometimes, I know someone personally that has been dating their, their, this woman for eight years, right? If they don't put a ring on it, they ain't serious. You got to leave them. They're immature. That's just the truth. Engagements when now you're saying, this is going to be my wife. Now, engagements can be long. They can be short. A lot of people advise that they be short. After engagement is marriage, okay? The Bible says that uh, a man would leave his mother and his father to be united with his wife and become one flesh, that means, listen, I'm going to leave my mama, I'm going to leave my daddy, and then I'm going to get with my wife. We're going to have, at the very top, that's the door, right? The steps all the way to the door, sex. So at the very end of, the, at, at, at the very end of dating, right, there's sex. After you get married, you've made it holy. It's, it's literally you, them, and the Lord, okay? That's, that's the relationship here. You can now have sex, okay? But if you were to take away any of the foundation blocks, the steps, if you were to try to skip steps, you would end up falling. That's just the truth. These are steps to Christian dating. This is important to know 
Because in friendship, right, let's say, let's go now to make it practical. In friendship, you should have only group activities, learning how to talk to one another and listen to one another. Okay, that's important. Communication is important. And not just uh, talking about feelings or whatever, but, but about goals, about dreams, about family, about interests. What, what do you like to do about the kingdom of God? These are things you should be talking about if you want to have a Christian relationship. Then you should spend time with each other's family, right? So let's say there's a 13-year-old uh, girl. Man, thinks RJ's cute, right? Because RJ is a very handsome young man. Let's say, you know what? She's like, okay, I'm, a, I'm going to Metro. I'm going to Elevate. And let's say they're a little bit older, just for Jessica's sake, you know, let's say, let's say 18, okay, 18. And then she gets to meet RJ, and RJ is really respectful to her, his mama, right, and really respectful to uh, his brother and sisters. But then she meets, he meets her family, and she's wild. She cusses out her dad. She cusses out her, her mother. She doesn't listen to them. How they treat their family, it's not going to be any better how they treat you. So if, if a man is treating his mother wrong, best believe if he don't care about his mama, he ain't going to care about you. That's just the truth. If a, if a girl is, is lying to her dad, lying to uh, her mother, then she's going to be lying to you. That's just how it is. So spend time with each other's family. See how they are with their family. Then you want to spend time doing church activities, going to Elevate, right, going on Sunday, going to Life Group, evangelizing, starting a Christian club. You want to spend time doing that because you want to see their passion for God, and you guys want to build a passion for God. Remember, we want to be equally yoked. We want to serve God together. So next thing, right, these are the things you don't do, all right? Don't always be talking about each other's feelings. Matter of fact, try not to do that at all. Because once you get into the feelings, it's like, man, you know, I'm kind of feeling you. You're kind of feeling me. Let's feel each other a little bit. Oh, bam, you're, you, you fell into sin. Bam, right there. You fell into sin. It literally gets that easy. Uh, do not be alone, right? When you're alone, all of a sudden it's like, man, no one's watching us. Let's just get our groove on. Do not be physical, right? Now, I know a lot of us, you know what I'm saying, we're huggers and we like to be physical, but when we're super physical, right, some of us can't control ourselves, right, and, and sometimes, you know, those passions and those desires are actually good, but they're good only in marriage. So you save that for marriage, you don't get physical, okay? Then, right, do not make commitments and promises. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I told this girl at 13, you're my wife. I'm going to wait till 16 to have sex with you, I promise, right? I told her that. And, you know, I told her, but you got to wait for me. She's like, nah, I can't wait for you. I'm like, wait, what? We're together. <laughs> so I try to make promises to her. She didn't make promises with me, broke my heart, all that stuff. And here's the thing. You got to hear from God in these relationships. If you are excluding God from your relationships, guess what? Nothing, from, nothing of God is going to happen. If God's like trying to knock on the door like, hey, man, you know, this dude's a pervert, right? And he likes your best friend. And you're like, God, chill, chill, like God. I know who to look for, right? Or man, it's like, hey man, this girl right here, dude. Yeah, man, she's 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 not the girl you want to be with, man. She's Proverbs five, bro. Trust me. If some of you guys have read Proverbs five, you understand what I mean. God, God is gonna tell you these things. And, I, and there's been times where God has told me that, and there's been times where where I'm pretty sure God has told uh, Karina that, right? And there's been times where Tony and Jerry have heard that because they listen to God. We listen to God, and we want to hear what He's saying. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we cannot love without the love of God, of course. Uh, we have to view each other as brothers and sisters. But the, the whole thing, man, before we get into this lesson, right, it, it's, this is spiritual. Relationships are spiritual things. You are saying whenever you're dating, I want to be with someone. I want to spend my life with them. Your life is a gift from God. How are you going to spend it? That's a, it's a spiritual thing because eventually you're going to want to be married. And this relationship that you had, if it wasn't serious, right, and you don't get married, it's going to end up in heartbreak. And the Bible instructs us, like we learned last week, to guard our hearts. If we can go to Ephesians 5, 1 through 7, uh, we're going to have to go a little bit quicker today. But So Ephesians 5, 1 through 7, it says here to follow whose example? Whose example? God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, that's your identity, right? You're following God's example. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God, right? But among you, there must not be even a hint 
How many of you are allergic to peanut butter? Some of you, I have a friend named Shamal. He is super allergic to peanut butter, and he's gone to the hospital many times just from taking a little taste of it. And when you're allergic to something like I am with dogs and cats, even a hint of it, I start to sneeze. I start to, to have a, like my eyes start to cry, you know. There's a picture of me, my swollen lips, because I accidentally slept on something a cat peed on, but it's a bad story. But, but even a hint, a hint, all right, a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity, if you can keep going, or of greed, uh, because they are improper for God's holy people. So even, even a hint of impurity, greed, sexual immorality, that is sin. That is improper for God's people. And a hint of sexual morality, what is sexual immorality? A lot of us, we don't really know what sexual morality is because that's a different word from us. We don't understand that in our, you know, 21st century vocabulary. But sexual immorality, the definition of that by the Greek is pornea. Pornea, right? So what do you think pornea sounds like? It sounds like porn. Now, here's the thing, right? With pornea, that is anything, right, that is sexual. Anything that is sexual outside of marriage, okay? And that's sexual morality. Impurity, right? We all know what impurity is. We've learned about it. Any of this, right, is improper for God's people. And then uh, if we can, uh, <clears throat> it says, for all, for this, you can be sure for no immoral, impure. Everybody on the count of three say impure. No immoral, one, two, three. Impure, right? We're learning about purity. So listen, or greedy persons, such as a person as an idolater, if you go to the next verse, it says, has any inheritance for the kingdom of Christ and of God? That's a big thing because what do children get? What do children get? When the, what do their parents give them? An inheritance. So if you're saying, hey, man, like, like I'm going to live impure and expect God to still, you know, give me an inheritance, heaven, right, and all the good riches of heaven, no, that's not going to happen because if you're living like this, you get none of that. You get none of that. Then it continues on to say, if we can uh, go to the next verse. It, all right. Actually, now you got to find uh, four through seven, please. It continues to say this, right? Everyone who sins, oh, sorry, reading the wrong verse. My bad, my bad, guys. So then it continues to say, <clears throat> no immoral or impure or greedy person such as an idolater. The Bible relates someone who commits adultery as an idolater. Okay, and this right here, they have no inheritance to the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Remember last week, we learned why the wrath of God was coming, right? We learned why the wrath of God was coming. We learned that it's because of your lust. It's because of our Lust, the people, the nation, it's lust. The wrath of God is coming. And it repeats that statement here. So it says, therefore, do not be partners with them. Do not be unequally yoked. This is like almost a summary of last week. We're not even supposed to have relationship with people that live like that. Get that. Some of us, we think, man, we can have friendships with, with girls that, that man, they're, they're super immoral, right? They're constantly telling you to, to lose your virginity. Guys that are constantly peer pressuring you, man, like, get at this girl, do this. And, and the Bible's saying you shouldn't even be friends with them. You shouldn't be partners with them. Take it not to dating. If you're dating outside of Christ, you should not be dating. You should not be partners with them. If we can go to, uh, <clears throat> if we can actually go to First uh, John 3, 1 through 5, and, and here's the thing, right? You will receive no inheritance about that. We've learned, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The reason why we're pure is to see God. Now, 1 John 3, 1 through 5, it makes it really simple. Because some of us, right, we were, we're saying, man, I've already lost my virginity. I've already watched porn. I've already done this X, Y, and Z. I guess I'm screwed. I'm not going to see God. 
That's what your Bible's telling me. No, that's not because God came for those who were impure to make them pure. It says, all who have the hope, have hope in him, purify themselves just as he is pure. So when you hope in Jesus, how pure are you? How pure are you when you hope in Jesus? According to this verse, how pure are you? You're pure like Jesus. That's such a crazy thing to say because we just learned that Jesus was as pure as literally, more pure than anything we can even imagine. More pure. But yet, the Bible is saying he will make us just as pure. It says everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he has appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. So here's the thing. For us, we have to understand that we can be made pure. It doesn't matter if you're a virgin or not a virgin. It doesn't matter if you have lusted or you lust more, you lust less. Everyone here has done something to disturb their purity, to make them impure. The only way for us to be pure is to put our hope in Jesus. That means... Listen, if you can actually get the verses above this, you need to get the context of this. Because here's the thing. All of what the Bible is pointing to you, pointing you to, is Jesus' return. We are pure because when we see Jesus, right, what we are is going to be made known to everyone. That means if you're an impure, greedy person, what is in your heart is going to become visible to everyone else. It says, that which, was, um, that which was from the beginning, which you have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at. Brother, you got to get 1 John 3, 1 through 5. From, thank you. So see what great love the Father has loved on us, that we should be called children of God. See what great love he's lavished on us. He's laid on us, and that is what we are. Children of God. The reason the world does not know us is because they did not know him. Dear friends, now that we are children of God and what we will be has not yet made known, but we know that when Christ, everybody say Christ, when he, what, appears, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. That is such a crazy statement that when Jesus appears we will be not like ourselves, not like our parents, not like anybody we look up to, celebrities. We will be like Christ. That is insane. How many of you know Jesus is perfect? How many of you know Jesus' love is greater than anyone's? How many of you know Jesus was able to do miracles? He was able to, to raise from the dead. But yet when Jesus returns and he appears, we are going to be like him. All who have this hope, not the hope that you'll get a boo, not the hope that you'll get married, not the hope that you'll get swole one day or you'll get a job. Or all those hopes suck. I'm going to just be real honest with you compared to this hope. This hope that we will see the maker on heaven and earth, right? For the maker of heaven and earth face to face. And, and what will the reflection be? We will look like him. He will make us pure. He takes our sin. He purifies us. What is hope, though? Is it like, man, I'm just guessing? I'm just hoping that there's a God out there? No, it's an eager expectation. You are ready. You are ready. You're not just, you're just being lazy, trying to get at every boy. You see every girl. You see watching porn, hoping for one day you have sex. You're not doing that. What? You are seeking the kingdom of God, living pure, ready to see Jesus face to face. That is what the only point of purity is to see God. And here's the thing. What you will be known, right? You, you, as a children of God, that's who you are now. You are like God. You are able to live pure. You're able to abstain from sex till marriage. You're able to write not to look at poor, not to lust after a woman because God has made you like that. And you may not see that because your body, right, the temptations you face. But when you see Christ as children of God, it will be made known to yourself as well. I am like Christ. But for those of you that do not know Jesus, that are wicked in their hearts, that are sinful, that are impure, what you are will be known as well. You are like Satan. 
You are like Satan. You were spawns of the enemy. Literally, you did his will. And some of you in this place, man, according to the Bible, you're going to be there. You're going to see God face to face, and there's going to be nothing but shame, nothing but guilt, because you wasted your whole life living for lust. The Bible says that the sexual, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Everything that God has to give you, the blessings, all that, right, after you die, right, the things that people go to church for nowadays, right, I'm going to go to heaven, let me go to church, right, that's not going to come to you unless you have a hope in Jesus, an eager expectation that even if Jesus was going to come back like that, like, bam, like, like lightning right now in this room, you'd be ready. You'd be ready. There wouldn't be any hidden sin. There wouldn't be any impurity. You would know right now, I can meet Jesus face to face, and there's no shame, and there's no guilt. And that's what the Bible calls confidence, that we are, we are able to say we live like Jesus, and we can approach his throne boldly. So if you're here, right, and you, you aren't living pure, if I can have Stephanie uh, come up, and if I can just have all the deacons um, line up in the front of the altar, Here's the thing, this purity ceremony isn't just a gimmick, it's not just a dress up nice, dress up fancy, right? Because you can be dressed in the nicest clothes, but once you get to heaven, what you are known as just, is just filthy rags. Filthy rags, if you are impure. And there's ways to live pure, you know, Tony and Jerry, they testified how they lived pure. It's, when you're a child of God, it's pretty obvious the Holy Spirit guides you and the church guides you. But the whole thing right now is, are you willing to live pure now? Are you willing to live pure now? Do you have an eager expectation in Christ? Or are you dreading when Jesus comes back? If everybody can stand, please. See, the world, the world does not care about purity. What is, what is purity to the world? What, it, what is the point of living pure? The Bible, say, the Bible says that if Christ did not resurrect, you might as well have sex, drink, and live merry, right? And you'll die the next day. Pretty much paraphrasing what it says. You might as well just do you, right, and die. That's pretty much it. But Christ has resurrected, and he's coming back, and he's looking for a pure church, He's not looking for a backslidden youth group. He's not looking for some kids that are hiding their sin, living a double life. He's not looking for that. He's looking for on-fire disciples, people who look just like him. Why would he come for anything less? Why? Why would he come for the same people that nailed him to the cross? Why? He's coming for the people that have repented. They put their hope in him, and he's made them pure already. That's who he's coming for. So this whole purity ceremony, it's about to end. But your life of purity right now for some of you, it's just beginning. There's no greater joy than living pure. There's no guilt. There's no lying. There's no conviction to it. It's literally freedom. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from the bondage of sex and lust. And we all, all of us, leaders included, youth included, we all will be judged on that day. What we are will be known. If I'm on this mic as a hypocrite, you'll see me right in front of Jesus and you'll see me as ugly as I really am. You'll see me as dark, as impure as I really am. Same thing goes with any of these leaders. But it's all about him. Period. Period. It's about him. It's about Jesus. So Stephanie, if you could sing, take it all. Just give me Jesus. Right now, we, I want to call literally everyone up from the altar. I want everyone here to receive prayer. So everyone come to the altar. Everyone here, I want everyone to make this declaration to live pure. If you don't want to live pure and you want to live in your sin... You can. You can go back to your seat. But everyone that wants to live pure, everyone that wants to live for Jesus, they don't see this as a joke, that if Jesus was to come back right now, you'd be ready. 
You wouldn't be ashamed. You wouldn't be full of guilt. You wouldn't have to hide things you've done with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, you've done at night on the internet. You wouldn't have to hide that because you know Jesus has made you pure. So right now I'm going to say a prayer dismissal. Parents, if you could come up as well, you can pray for your children. But I want all the leaders, right, they're going to they're gonna pray for you. They're going to lay hands on you. Please wait for, it, for a prayer. If you need it, confess something. If you need to repent, if you need to tell them, like, listen, I've been living impure. I've been living a sinful life. Whether it be porn, whether it be what you're looking at, you can't look at a girl without lusting after her. You can't look at a guy without lusting after him. This is the time now where you get prayer. Let's live pure. Let's make a declaration right now. We're not just going to wait till marriage to live pure. We're going to live pure until we see the face of Jesus. So with all eyes closed and with all heads bowed, I'm going to say a, a prayer, and then the, the deacons are going to pray for you. But, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you make us pure, Lord. God, you are pure, God. The very the audacity that we have as children of God to say that we can be made pure like you. That in you, God, there is no sin. Jesus, I pray that everyone would get that revelation, that everyone would understand that if we hope in you, if we eagerly expect your return, God, that you, Lord, you, Lord, will grant us, Lord, joy, joy beyond understanding, that we would understand how blessed are those with a pure heart, how blessed are those who see the face of God. Hallelujah, I pray that everyone's ambition, everyone's goal, everyone's very dream would be to see the face of God. Hallelujah, if we would love to see images on the internet, women and men, and we make all these fantasies up. Oh, that is just a, that is just a failure of your thoughts, a failure of your imagination. There's something greater in heaven. Oh, God, I pray that everyone here, Lord, would declare right now, Jesus, that we would live pure. That we would live pure. We wouldn't just save ourselves for marriage, God. But, Lord, as a bride, as a church, we would save ourselves for you, Jesus. We would live pure for you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Deacons, if you can go ahead and start, begin to lay hands, men with men, woman with woman. Stephanie, if you can sing, please.